You are listening to Jai Long, and this is the Educators Rising podcast. Now, I know you have big questions. How do people like you and me make it as an educator? How do we sell online courses? How do we successfully coach the people around us, bring everybody up in our industry, and take our lives and our knowledge to the next level? If you are obsessed like I am and you're thinking that's exactly you, that's exactly where you want to be, then this show is going to be for you. We're going to obsess over all those little things that are going to end up getting you big results. Thank you for listening. Let's get into it. Hey, Riza, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever thought about having a membership or a subscription for your content? Now, you've probably seen people all over the internet do this business model, whether it's on YouTube, you got to subscribe to be on their channel, or maybe it's a podcast, some podcasts you have to actually, it's gateway, you have to actually pay for it. Maybe it could be on Instagram. Sometimes we have channels on Instagram. Could be on Patreon, could be on Circle. So many different ways that we can create communities and we can have a gateway for how people access ourselves and our knowledge and our staff and our team and our resources and everything else. Now, I've voiced a few times reasons why I don't actually like this business model. Now, today I wanted to bring someone that's more of an expert than myself on this subject and her name is Jade Basin. Now, Jade is a content creator, but she's a content creator coach that helps content creators with marketing, sales, and all those things. And what pricked my ears, I was on an Instagram account the other day, and she started talking about predictable income and memberships and how a membership can be a great way for you to have predictable income so you can safely scale your business And you know how much money you can put into marketing and into advertising, into sales and everything else. In fact, if you're trying to hire more people. And I got thinking a little bit, I know with a membership, it can be such a low entry point, but also it can be such an easy way for you to get a big cash injection into your business. And especially when you're sort of bootstrapping, you don't have much money and you're looking to scale, you're looking to get in an influx of cash so you can maybe build an online course, maybe launch an event, a retreat, a workshop, whatever it is, but it could be just the answer that you're looking for. So let's get into today's episode. And before we do, I just want to let you know that I am doing monthly giveaways of a one-on-one session with me. And all you have to do is leave a review on the Apple Podcast app for this podcast and let me know how it's helped you in some way. Now, if you do that for me, I'm going to choose one lucky winner each month. I'm going to send you an email and I'll jump on a one-on-one session with you for 45 minutes and we can dive into any blocks that you're having, how to scale, how to get started, like whatever it is. And I can't wait to work with you. So let's get into today's interview. Hey, Jade, so good to have you on the show. And you know what? I love everything you post on social media, all your messaging, all the things that you got for creators. And I needed to get you on the show to to talk about a few things. But today we're going to talk about revenue streams, different revenue streams, ones that could work for us, maybe ones that don't work for us, and maybe something more along the lines of memberships and ways we can have predictable income, which a lot of course creators and a lot of creatives and a lot of influencers and a lot of us don't ever think about that kind of stuff. So would you like to introduce yourself and we'll get started. 
Yes, for sure. So first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to have this conversation with you. Um, I'm Jade. I am a content creator and I'm also a creator coach, which basically just means that I spend all of my time working with fellow content creators. I help them learn how to grow their influence online and then transform that influence into income. So I work with a wide variety of creators from a bunch of different niches and I help them create businesses basically and really turn it into um, a profitable side hustle or full-time kind of journey. Um, Mm. And yes, we talk a lot about money and a lot about social media. Those are like the two things I spend most of my time talking about. (laughs) That's epic. Are you seeing just a big influx of creators right now with, you know, with social media, everyone's sort of like, when they grow up, they're going to be a YouTuber. They're going to now be a TikTok star and everything else. Yeah, there's like a stat about that, isn't it? Where um, I can't remember what the exact number is, but majority of young people now want to be content creators when they grow up, which I think is so wild because I'm a millennial. I'm like a slightly younger millennial. And I just did not have that on my radar when I was younger. I was always like, I want to become a marketer, which basically is like the older version of (laughs) wanting to become a content creator. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's pretty funny. Well, you know, also, um, I guess it's all a little bit different because even like maybe our parents and stuff they want to be movie stars or radio stars Mm. or like we've always kind of had this dream of being like the rock star that's in front maybe even an astronaut because they get so much tv time you know so it's like we've always had this dream of being the rock star in front of getting people's attention and now it's accessible to all of us yeah, yeah, it is. And yeah, to answer your original question, I'm seeing a huge amount of people um, really try to dedicate their time to becoming successful content creators, which I absolutely love. There was a huge gap, I noticed, like a knowledge gap when I first started my own content and my own journey in that there were a lot of creators who were really skilled at creating content or sharing their life. And some were already great at building audiences too, but there was a real gap in knowledge when it came to how they could actually convert that into a business and turn that into income. Because realistically, if you didn't grow up like studying marketing or business, if that wasn't something that you were ever interested in, which a lot of creators aren't, um, then no, not at all. That's not, you know, that's not what they, they entered the industry to do. So if you don't have that knowledge, it can seem very difficult to actually figure out how to weigh a way to earn a consistent income from what you're doing mm. from creating, because that's not the experience that you had. So that's kind of where I come in. And that's the bit of information that I share with people. So they're actually able to do that. So you're bridging the gap from where they are right now, where they, they're passionate, they're ambitious, they're creating some cool stuff, no strings attached to the cool stuff. And then they want to be sustainable and they want to make some money from the cool things that they're actually creating. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and that's been so much fun to do because the results of it, it's like the most fulfilling job I've ever had in my life. I always totally. say that because... I mean, and you would know as well, because I know that you're like, you're an educator as well, but it's so amazing helping people like reach their goals in that way. Nothing could be more fulfilling than that. So it's a great job. So when we're going forward as like creators, and when we're talking about creators, we're talking about people predominantly, maybe even on social media that are creating cool things. How do you think right now, a lot of us are creating income from the things that we love? Yeah. So it varies. I usually see a lot of creators 
go into this thinking, okay, well, the way I'm going to make money is through brand partnerships because they grow an audience and they think, okay, so I'm going to get a brand to sponsor my content or I'm going to create content for a brand. And that's usually the main income stream that people set their sights on. And I definitely help creators with that. And I've got a lot of experience with that from multiple sides, working for brands, working for agencies, et cetera. And it is a really good income stream, especially when it's done properly. However, it is one of the most... um sponsorships and things with with yeah brands yeah I do yeah it's actually uh, almost half my income comes from brand partnerships and sponsorships yeah so I actually do a lot of work with brands um mostly because I've been really fortunate in the past couple years but I've built really good relationships with a few brands who I use like all the time anyway and really seamlessly fit into my content so yeah I do a lot of brand partnerships and I do a lot of long-term six months to a year long deals which is what brings me the consistency which is what I try to get other creators to do because that's how you have that consistency income. Otherwise, what can end up happening is creators enter the space, especially when it comes to brand partnerships, they start taking deals kind of sporadically, not always with the brands that they necessarily want to work with long-term. And then they get in this cycle of every month being like, oh my God, where's my money coming from next month? Or they get in a cycle where they're just waiting for brands to pay them. And that is a very difficult place to be in. Some brands, I've had brands what had 90 plus day payment terms. So you're waiting three months to get paid from for the work that you did. I've had a brand where it was six months before. So when you are only earning income from brand partnerships and they're one-off, it can become very difficult for you to take control of your cash flow and actually feel like you're earning a consistent income without some serious money management techniques. So most people who start, they think brand partnerships is the only way forward. Um, and then usually that's where I come in and say, well, there's all these other avenues that we could look into. There are subscriptions, there are memberships, there are products, there are services, there's consultancy. There's so many other things that we could do that will help us diversify. And once we get diversified income, it becomes a lot more easier to predict it, but also to make financial decisions for the long run because you kind of know where your money's coming from. So you, it gets you out of that scarcity where my money coming in mindset, which is so dangerous for creators and business owners. It is. You know, what's really interesting is um, I think for myself, I've left so much money on the table, so I probably need to hire you as a coach, but (laughs) I have always done the opposite. So everyone's always started and they're like, oh, I'm going to like all my friends that I know, especially as photographers and videographers, any kind of creator, they're like, I'm going to get a big brand on board and they're going to pay me to do some campaigns. I'm going to fly around. I'm going to do some stuff for hotels. I'm going to do stuff for some car brands. And I've always done the opposite. And I've actually steered all the way from all partnerships with brands because I never wanted to be controlled by a brand. And so what's really interesting, even today, like my team's always like, Jai, you need to get onto these partnerships for the podcast. Like, There's so many people reaching out for advertising and we had a big one come in today. And I always Mm. just go, yeah, nah. And I don't know why, but it's just (laughs) this weird thing of just like, I use their product as well, but I'm like, I don't know why I don't just say yes and take the money. (laughs) Have you had a bad experience or do you know someone who's had a bad experience with a brand partnership? Not at all, actually. Not at all. To be honest, I think what it is, it's like I have this weird thing of where I'm like, I don't want to sell out and have to change something the way that I do it. Like, for instance, if I get partnership for my podcast and I'm not allowed to swear on my podcast or do something on there or if I get a partnership for my my events and then I'm only allowed to say something about their product and then I'm biased and 
So it's always been like that. I'm yeah. like, I don't want any strings attached. <laughs> yeah, that's totally fair. I think that's more about the right partner because there totally. are brands where they're just like, I want you to be you. And those are the best brands because at the end of the day, what they're buying into is the relationship and trust that you have with your audience. So if a brand is going to do a partnership properly, they need to be willing to hand over creative control to you because otherwise it's not going to have the effect that they want. And there are so many brands who don't do that. So I totally get where that comes from. But there also are a lot of brands who are amazing when it comes to that. Like the brands who I work with now, or I've worked with most of the time where I've had this um, kind of brand are incredible when it comes to that. Like they're literally, they will send me the messaging and then I will be like, cool, this is my concept. And they're like, great, no feedback. It takes a while to get to that point with a brand, but it is possible to be in a relationship where it's literally just like, hey guys, this is what I'm doing. And they're like, great. And that's like it. And it's a win-win. It works for both people involved, but you're totally right to have that hesitation, but there are ways around it. And there are certain things that you could put in your contract to protect yourself as well, just to make sure you don't end up in a bad situation. And I guess as you're doing it more and more and you get results for those brands, they trust you more and more and they want to be involved in all the content that you're creating, which is really cool. Yeah, exactly. And you get such a good working relationship and that's where it really, where the long-term partnerships come in. Mm. And also, and I know you would do this anyway, but for anyone listening who is considering starting, you know, brand partnerships, you really do only want to work with those brands that you naturally use already. And I always say to people, you know, when we're talking about pitching to brands, I always say, okay, well, let's go through your content archives and let's get some content where you've mentioned them before. And if you've never mentioned them before, then maybe we shouldn't be pitching to them because the brands that you use on a regular basis, especially in my niche and your niche, you've probably mentioned, you've probably spoken about at some point. So that is such a great way of just testing whether or not this brand is right for you and your audience. Like, do you actually use them already? And if so, presenting them in a way that your audience are going to find out more about them, is just going to help everyone involved. Love that. So let's talk about, um, let's talk about memberships. I know there's so many different types of memberships that we can create with ourselves now. And I've got a lot of friends that will have like a simple membership where it's, um, you pay for some extra content on their Instagram account, or maybe they've taken it to another level and they've got a, they've got a separate Mm. platform somewhere and you've got to pay a monthly subscription. Maybe it's Patreon, maybe, uh, it could be circle. It could be so many different things where they house their community and they give them some locked content and they can unlock that content with, with some money. So what are the pros and cons? And maybe tell me about that business model. Yeah. So it's such a interesting conversation, isn't it? So to break it down, you mentioned the two different kind of types of memberships. So you've got your in-platform ones, which are often more like subscriptions. So you've got like your Instagram subscriptions on YouTube. It's called YouTube memberships, that kind of stuff. There's a new one like TikTok live where it's in platform and people are spending usually a small amount per month in order to unlock some kind of exclusive content. Now, when it comes to those types of memberships, the pros and cons of those is that first of all, for you, the creator, usually pretty easy for you to launch and create because you're already on that platform. It's already all in-house. You're not learning how to do anything. You're not building anything from scratch. Your main focus is creating some kind of exclusive content that has value. But other than that, there's no additional other work that you're doing. Um, So usually it's a lot easier for you to start with stuff like that. But with most things, because it's slightly easier, the payoff isn't as big. Most of the time, people aren't going to be paying more than a few pounds per month, maybe 
10, 20 pounds per month for those really valuable subscriptions or memberships, which means that, you know, you normally need to get a huge volume of people in for it to actually result in a decent amount of income. So depending on what your objective is for that, um, it's either the right move for you or not. So a good example, I have a YouTube membership, which is literally like two pounds a month. Um, so really low level and it's called Behind the Business. And it's just one video a month where I'm showing the real behind the scenes. I'm taking people through my numbers. I'm sharing the different decisions I'm making in regards to my programs. And if I'm pivoting, really personal stuff. So for me in that scenario, it was a great thing to do. Oh, thank you. I only launched it about a month ago. But for me, it was like a real exciting thing to do because I just wanted a place to share that level of info with people who wanted it because I knew all of my subscribers didn't necessarily want that. They wouldn't relate to it. It wasn't of interest. Um, So I just wanted to create a small community where I could share that stuff. And that was the way for me to do it. And it's worked really well so far. So it wasn't a revenue driver. It was just a way of like segmenting my community. So when you have that kind of objective... It works really, really well, right? Um, Flip side though. So the other kind of more robust memberships, those are the ones where you are normally offering something of higher value and maybe you're doing like Q&As and you've got resources and you're often using other platforms. So it's not on like Instagram or TikTok. Usually it's built on Kajabi or Thinkific or something else, right? Those are significantly harder to create. I also have one of those. Um, They take a lot more time, a lot more money. You've got to really launch it. Like you're launching an offer essentially. So that takes a lot more time and effort as well. And then you've got to show up a lot. You have got to normally do Q&As on a regular basis, create fresh content on a regular basis, be in the community. I'm in my community every single day. It is a lot of work. There is is like, yeah, there's like no passive element to it. Like, yeah, like I'm on holiday to, to passive income, isn't it? <laughs> it's literally the opposite to passive income. Like I'm on a holiday every morning checking my group. Like there is no off button when it comes yeah. to that type of membership, but then you can charge a lot more for it. So mm. mine are in like six month containers now, and I've got two different levels, but it's around $70 to like $120 per month, um, which is obviously significantly more than the two pounds per month. Totally. But what you're getting completely a lot different. more. Yeah. Oh my God. Way more support. Um, a lot, a lot more resources, just significantly more value. Um, but that is that was designed to be a revenue driver for me. Mm. So that made sense. And I think a big thing when it comes to those types of memberships is understanding your audience and if that's the right fit. For me, that group of people I work with in that in that club, they're entry level creators. So I have like an advanced program as well, but they're entry level. And I know that when you're entry level, you do not normally have the funds to commit mm. to this multi-thousand pound program. And sometimes you're not even sure if this is fully what you want to do in the long run. So I wanted to create something that was more affordable so they can learn the skills they need to really get started. Um because otherwise there would be a huge group of my community that I wouldn't be able to help. Yeah. You also got to know yourself as well, don't you? Because like, as you're saying, like you got to be willing to show up and show up a lot and show up live and support and listen and do so many things. And I've actually done some coaching for some, some coaches that started off with the membership thing. And after about maybe a year to 18 months, they've come to me and they said, man, I thought it was going to be passive income. But to be honest, I'm just chasing the churn rate because people leave if I don't bring a new piece of content each month. 
And so I'm on this train where I'm obligated now. I have to keep, you know, producing, producing, producing. And yeah, it's been real fascinating sort of seeing that. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. I can't see myself having a membership forever. Like it is, it is a lot of work. I found it really rewarding so far. And whenever I'm having this conversation with a lot of creators who do consider this as a potential route, I I always have to share both sides of what it really looks like. Cause yeah, it's super rewarding. Um, and honestly, if it wasn't for the results that people got, that I probably I probably would have shut it down a little while ago. But it's super mm. rewarding. So I have that commitment there. Um, but doing this for the long haul, I don't think many people would do it for like five, 10 years plus, just because yeah. it really does make it difficult for you to take any amount of substantial leave <laughs> from your business mm. and from what you do. It's it's genuinely very difficult. And I have people in my team who help me, but it's yeah, still, that, that was it's the still next super question challenging. I was going to ask you as well. Like, like, do you think you can sort of outsource a lot of the things like having a community manager and maybe someone that's um in charge of experiences and in charge of events and maybe in charge of content and stuff that could facilitate all of these things? Yes, you definitely can. And depending on how you've built your brand, um, it will be, be easier for some and harder for others. Um, how I built my brand and how a lot of people listening will buy the built their brand is based on them. So they are the face. And a lot of the time the brand is literally their name, like mine is when that is the case. And when your marketing is very much focused on you showing up and bonding with your audience. So usually that's through the social media content. When that's the case, it can become difficult to outsource everything because people are buying into you. So they need to see you on a regular basis. So there are things that you can do that can help you with it. For example, getting really great at batching your content and ensuring that there's not a huge amount of live um, offers as part of it. So I do one monthly live Q&A. A little bit more to sort of like for your lifestyle, I guess. Yeah, exactly. That's the biggest thing. Um, and I always say like, whenever people are starting to do memberships, people have the tendency to kind of over promise. So they want to launch with like, I'm going to go live with you every Friday. And then we're going to do this all the time. And you're going to have access to me all the time. You can DM me whenever you want. And I always say, you just never start with that. You kind of want to start with the bare bones. And then if you have the capacity to scale up, then that's great. But it's so much easier to start with the basics of what you think you need to offer for someone to get a result and then over time add more things to it than to offer and share and be like I'm going to do I'm going to go live with you every week and then scale back that is like the most difficult thing to try and do so yeah you've got to just be really tactical with what your membership actually includes so that you're able to have some element of freedom in your life and so that you're not kind of like constantly having to show up online. Hey, if you're a course creator or you're a coach and you're looking for the perfect platform to host your email list, your actual content, your courses, your coaching, everything else, then Kajabi is where it's at. I personally use it. It's a one-stop shop. It has everything in there from funnels to website building to email lists to course creation and everything else. And hey, it can save you so much money when you get rid of all those other subscriptions and just get straight into Kajabi. So Kajabi has actually helped thousands of entrepreneurs just like yourself make billions of dollars over the last few years. And I believe you are no different. You need to get in there and give it a try. And if you do so, I'm giving you a 30-day trial period right now. All you have to do is head over to jialong.co forward slash Kajabi. So to claim your 30 days, head over to jialong.co forward slash Kajabi. 
Totally. I wonder if you are a brand, just like you said, you, you are like myself, I'm Jai Long. And so mm-hmm. my brand is my face. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much people could trust you if you are your brand, but then you create your membership and you call it something else. So it's like a product. Mm. So one example is like my wife, she, she's a brand herself, but, um, I'm just thinking of like things that she could create. She's actually already sort of coined a name and a word for a membership and she could use that. But then like setting expectations from the start, it's like, I've curated the way that this experience is, and I'm going to show up like once a month live or something. And I've curated some of the best coaches around to get in there and accountability partners and stuff to make sure you have the best experience. I wonder if you could sort of hack your way around that way. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely could. Um, that's super exciting that your wife's working on that. You definitely, definitely could do that. And again, it comes down to how you initially market it and getting really clear on those kind of boundaries and intentions from the start. So if you go out by saying, hey guys, I've created this experience and these guest coaches will be part of it. If you're really upfront with that from the beginning, then that will allow you to scale in that way. What I did and what a lot of other people did is I used kind of like my likeness as my marketing. So I was very much like, this is how you get access to me. So because that was what I set out from the start, that is what I'm kind of married to. So it's very difficult for me to now get like a guest coach in. But if I hadn't have done that, and when I work with other people, we normally try and figure out a different way to do that. Um, then you don't always have to be the face and you, you know, you can create something that's slightly separate. Um, and even something so small as like making sure it has its own domain name means that, I guess the the biggest kind of litmus test for whether or not this is done successfully is can someone find out about your wife's program without knowing her and still want to join? So once you've got to that stage, then that's when you've kind of really nailed it and you can actually take quite a step back. Yeah. The absolute ultimate, you can really take a step back. It can become its own entity. Yeah. Right. Let's uh, recap some of the pros and cons. So one con that you said is low entry point, which means, well, that's a pro and a con. So con mm. is low entry point, which means it's it can be lower price, which also means it can be more competition. Course, I mean, lower perceived value as well. But the pro is means you can get a quick cash flow because there's low entry mm. point. So it's really easy to get started right now. And if you're just starting out as a creator, it's an easy way to put a little um, cash injection into your business and sort of a stepping stone to see where you go next. Um, was there any other pros and cons? Yeah. Well, one so, other pro actually, which yeah. you said before, which I really loved is segmenting your audience yes. because now you know who your buyers are and who, and what they're interested in. So I loved that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess to kind of piggyback on that, when you create some kind of subscription or membership service, the bonds that you get with the people who join that subscription or membership service is incredibly deep and strong. Like, oh my God, that is where you've really, really created some advocates. Even if they've left your membership, like I've had people who were in my membership for like a year and then they were like, you know what? I'm going a different direction. But like, we have a relationship, you know them, they know you, they support you. They share your messaging. They, oh, they become your biggest word of mouth driver. So, and it's actually really difficult to get to that level through your standard Mm. content, because even when you try your best to open a dialogue, 
dialogue with people through social media content, um, it can still be difficult to actually truly have that dialogue and have conversations. And, you know, so that is one of the biggest pros to any form of subscription and membership, like without a doubt. Um, and then there's also the reoccurring revenue, right? That is, yeah. it's one of the few things that you can create, which actually allows you to have some kind of predictability around how much money you're going to earn every month. Obviously people do churn, so people leave. So it does fluctuate to an extent, um, but there are ways for you to optimize your club so that hopefully your churn rate can you know, reduce and, and keep it at a pretty stable la- level. And then once you've done that, um, you can predict how much money you're going to make every month. And that allows mm. you to do so many more things with your business. Like it allows you to invest in new equipment or in new coaching programs and just have that stability and maybe even hire someone for your team because you know that you can cover that cost. And that's, I feel like one of the things that hold a lot of creators back, especially when they're moving from like beginner to intermediate levels is that they're like, okay, I'm now at a stage where I need to start investing. I need to start hiring I need to start like actually spending money on this and it's such a difficult thing to do when you're in a scarcity mindset and you feel like you don't have that money to spend is there any rules for pricing membership because I know you said before obviously if it's in app it can be a lot cheaper you're saying a couple of pounds or a couple mm. of dollars if if it's off app it could be 50 to 100 to 150 mm. uh, I've seen memberships where they've actually been like you know a thousand dollars a month because they've been like, wow. you know, there's like high level masterminds or mm. whatever it is. But yeah, is there yeah. any kind of um any kind of rule of thumb or would you say like giving more means it's worth more or is there different metrics we need to look at? Yeah, really good question. So I always bring it back to the value for your audience. So doesn't necessarily mean having more elements to it, which is a mistake that a lot of people make. So sometimes people think, okay, I want to charge more. So I'm going to just offer loads of stuff. I'm going to do prizes and then I'm going to do Q and A's and then hot seat coaching and all this stuff. Um, more often than not, the more things you offer, the more confusing your messaging becomes. And it's actually a lot harder for you to communicate why someone should join. So that's not how you actually end yes, up, yes, you yes. know, demanding, <laughs> demanding a higher price. <laughs> Instead, what you want to do is think about the value of what you're offering to your audience. So for me, it's about figuring out, okay, for this membership, what can someone achieve within six months of joining? Like if they really apply everything they're learning and they've really make their way through all the resources, what can they achieve? And for me, it's that they could normally launch one income stream and they can grow their channel, right? So that is what you can normally achieve after the first six months. So I will then work backwards and think, okay, well, what is that worth? What's the value to someone in order to reach that goal? So for some other niches, it's not always as like simple as that, because for my niche and your niche, usually it's some kind of monetary attribution. So it's okay. sometimes a bit, sometimes a bit easier, but for other people, sometimes they struggle with that, but there's still value in there. So even something like if there is a creator, I actually worked with a creator recently who has this huge fan base on Instagram and all of her content is about hair. Like it's all about blowouts and hairstyles and stuff like that. So she was trying to figure out like, okay, subscriptions, that's the route she wanted to go down. What is that of value to her audience? So we were just having an open discussion about, okay, what is the sentiment that people share with you as a result of your content? Like, what are you helping them achieve? And she was going through some of her DMs, looking at some of the comments, and she really realized that what she was doing was providing her audience with the confidence to style their own hair. Like a lot of people were saying, you know, yeah, people were saying I didn't hire a, a hairstylist for my wedding because I'm so good at doing a blowout that because of your content that I just did it myself. So I was like, that's the value that you're offering. Mm-hmm. That's how you should focus on how to price your program. So there's no like 
you know, cutthroat, you know, simple, if you're offering this, then charge this. It's really gripped with your audience and what you're helping them achieve and then trying to price it based on that. We actually just gone off the same analogy, actually. We uh, worked with a creator that was a relationship coach and she had a membership and I think it was like around 20,000 per year. So it was like a more expensive membership. And Mm -hmm. the whole thing was, is like, if you ask like, why is it so much? It's like, how much is having the confidence to find your love, Mm. like your true love um, worth to you? And if you believe that it's worth a lot and you want some, uh, you want to be in a small group of other people where it's not like blast all over the internet and you feel safe and secure, like what's that worth to you? And so it's the same thing. It's not money or it's not anything else, but it's something that's obviously a big problem for somebody that they would spend a lot Mm. of money to solve that problem, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you made a really good point there as well about like the size of it. So Mm. people, you know, if you're going to do a smaller container and like the masterminds, like you mentioned before, um, people will pay more to be in a smaller, more intimate group. Like that is something that people will pay more for as well. So it's, if that is something that, you know, is going to be an element of your group, it's just making sure you're effectively communicating that. I can't tell you how many times I've actually worked with people where they're like, well, it's, you know, the, the biggest part of it is that we're going to be you know, working in, there's only really five or six of us and I'm going to be working really closely with them. And I'm like, you don't say that in any of your messaging. <laughs> no one knows wow. that that's what it's going to yeah. be like. Yeah. That's the most valuable <laughs> so like, thing that you, you forgot to tell anyone. Literally people will be looking, I go on their landing page and I'm like, I have no idea if there's going to be a thousand people in this or five, like I have no clue. So yeah, wow. if that's the route that you're going to go down then like talk about it, you know? And also some things are worth more when they're bigger. So one example, I've got like a course coaching program, but it's probably the Mm. biggest in my industry, probably in the world, but people love it because it means when they join, they know someone in their country is going to be there. So they've got cohorts and they know that like, if they've got a question, it's going to be answers, not going to be crickets. And they know that they're going to, if they travel somewhere, they're going to be able to meet with someone and they all catch up and they meet up and they do all that kind of stuff. So there's actually like, value in such a massive community of people that are so mm. like-minded that they know that they can they find someone and lean on someone wherever that may yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So like a real networking element to that as well. Yeah, totally because um I mean one example is actually again my wife she joined a, a like a coaching course that was that was similar to mine but when she joined mm. I think there was like six other people and they were, were weren't at the stage she was at so all of a sudden she was in the wrong place basically right and and so then you wouldn't know that or if it's such a small group if there was 100 people you probably wouldn't get that problem because 10% of them would mm. be where she is and then so mm. on so just another random little factor when it comes to mm. pricing ourselves and and seeing where we fit yeah for sure yeah it's it's such a tricky thing pricing your kind of programs and people especially when I work with like beginner creators automatically like undervalue themselves I don't know if oh, you've yeah. noticed that as well it's like the automatic well, thing is well. to be like feel- <laughs> do you <laughs> of course I think we all do you know yeah at some yeah level, like we really do <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's like the natural thing is to charge significantly less than yeah. what I think deep down we know we could charge. Our natural thing is like, no, let's half it. <laughs> let's half it. Even when it comes to working with brands as well, that's a big thing that I talk to people about. And I've got to be honest, mm. like when I'm negotiating with brands, my um, fiance, we have the exact same work experience. We actually both worked at the same company. So he 
we just know the same stuff and we negotiate the same way. So it's very useful. Um, he does all my negotiations because I got to the point where I was like, I know how much I need to be charging, but there is, I just can't ask for it. Like when I'm, I just can't, I felt so awkward every time I would always drop it by like a couple hundred pounds just to make myself feel better. It was just the most ridiculous thing. So now he, Sends all the emails well, for me. That's <laughs> exactly what I do as well. So that's like, even with this person that like contacted to be on the podcast, like I know how much I want to charge and it's a lot. And I'm like, I never will ask for that though. <laughs> then what's yeah. the point of doing it if I'm not actually getting good yeah. money, you know? like. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. A lot of my clients create like an alias, like a separate email address and will negotiate with brands that way because they're like, they're not ready to hire someone to do it, but they also just don't. There's also like a part when you're working with brands where you want the relationship that you have with the brand to remain solid and positive. So sometimes when you're negotiating, especially in the way that we should be negotiating, um, it can be really difficult to do that. And then, you know, when they send over the contract and you're like, nope, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. It could become like a bit of an awkward conversation to have. And then once everything's signed off, you're like, oh God, I'm locked in with this person for 12 months and they probably (laughs) think I'm awful. (laughs) So it could be a really difficult thing to manage as well. So yeah, if anyone's thinking, my God, how do I get around that? Create an alias and just negotiate under another name. It's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with memberships, do you think like in the running of the membership and everything like that, is there much admin work that we got to do? Is there much stuff that's going to be put on our plate? Is there much chasing up people that haven't paid, following up payments? Oh my gosh. People yes. with questions. Maybe you got harder clients that demand more attention from you. Maybe they're getting into DMs more than you want them to. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes to all of the above. Um, The admin. (laughs) The admin, what goes into it is a bit wild. My sister does all the admin for um, my membership group, which I'm incredibly grateful for. Yeah. um, Very quickly learned that I couldn't do it myself within like six weeks of launching. I was like, no, this is, this will take up a solid 10 hours a week all day just for the admin. Yeah. So a lot of it, and you've probably noticed this as well. um, You, people, we tend to get more payment failures for lower priced offers than for higher priced offers. Have you noticed that as well? Yeah, definitely. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So because it's a membership, it's going to be a lower ticket ticket offer. People join and then they're like, what's this charge? And I'm like, remember you joined the membership <laughs> and they're like, oh, right. Okay. They cancel it, so, they dispute it. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. The disputes. And then they're always like, you cancel my membership. And I'm like, you disputed the charge. <laughs> so it's like an ongoing thing, which can be really, really difficult to do. Um, so there's a lot of admin and there's also a lot of processes that that you've got to set up um, from the start. And that's something that I, mm. I work with a lot of people to help to establish because when you don't have your processes um, ironed out, it becomes very difficult for you to stay on top of all of the admin that you need to do. Even when you're using really great payment um, gateways like Stripe and I mean, I wouldn't actually recommend PayPal, by the way, for anyone who's doing a membership because people can cancel and it's hard for you to actually track who's cancelled their membership. Um, so anyway, there's... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is, and yeah, it really is. And contacts me, why, no, why don't you accept PayPal? And I was like, oh man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's so difficult. But yeah, I stopped, I stopped using PayPal a while ago unless it's like a one-off thing. So yeah, so it's very difficult and there's a lot of learnings that happen within the first couple of months. And in regards to your question about, you know, some members needing a bit more attention and stuff like that. Yes, 100%. Um, I think one of the biggest things that we need to do as membership owners is set some boundaries and make it really clear to people how they can get support and really stick to that and don't make any excuses 
exception. So for me, we've got a Facebook group. That is how you get support from me and from other members um, and from the community manager. So I'm in there every single morning answering questions and like interacting. If someone DMs me and say like, hey, I'm part of the group, blah, 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 and ask me loads of questions, I always send them back to the Facebook group. Like I will not answer a question in DMs. It's I like even the fact that, and I know for some people it might be frustrating, but we've also got to remember that before I respond, I now need to validate if you're actually in the club to begin with. And, you know, I don't have your email address yet. I've got to do, it's a lot of admin just to make sure that you're actually in the club. And also other people don't get to benefit Mm. from the response to the question. And that's one of the main reasons why these communities work so well is that you could have someone who might be quite passive in there and who might not be asking a lot of questions, but they can just be in the community and learn a lot just from being in there. So setting boundaries and being really clear on how people can get support and not budging is like the most important thing to do from the very beginning. Even stuff like I've come undone where like I'm being too nice, where Mm. you get back to people's DMs and they ask a question and it's all good. And then instead of saying like, can you please get back in the community? Like, oh, just answer it right Mm. here. And then they'll ask Mm -hmm. again and ask again. And then that one time comes around when you do an event or something and you're really busy and you just forget to get back to that DM. And then they see it as I'm now just ignoring them. And I've had that before where it's like you didn't set the expectations and then now you've created a worse experience than if you just set the expectation and said, please always go to the community. Please always submit in where you need to submit in. So something that I've learned and I do continue to still learn because I am lenient all the time, but yeah, it is such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when um, I first started my like social media channels back in like November, 2020. And I used to do this thing where I used to say to people, guys, I am just like practicing auditing other people's channels. If you want me to look at your social channels and give you some feedback, like DM me. And I do not regret it. It was great. But (laughs) going from just saying like, DM me your problems and I will answer all of them. Obviously this is back when I was at like a hundred followers and a couple hundred followers. So it was very manageable. Once I started to grow, realizing that I was at a point where I couldn't do that anymore. And then resetting boundaries with people Mm. was so difficult to then have to go out and be like, I'm so sorry, but I actually don't do this anymore. (laughs) I can't offer this as a service. I can't keep up with it. I won't give you the right feedback that you actually need. that That was like a real challenge people got. I wouldn't say mad. People were a bit disappointed, um, disappointed but also there was, yeah, disappointed, which is fair. Um, but there was no way I'd be able to do that because I would, that would be literally my entire job. And then I wouldn't, wouldn't have any income. <laughs> All right. To recap on that, it's definitely a lot of work in memberships and you've got your admin work cut out for you and setting clear expectations and guidelines and having maybe tutorials on how to use your um, Mm. software, your space, how to interact, core values and things like that all seem to be key to having a successful membership. Is there any last things for a successful membership that you can think of at the top of your head? Yeah, actually there is one. And this is something that I started to implement recently and it made a really huge difference. And it's actually applicable to all programs. Having a system for gathering your frequently asked questions and presenting them in a way that's really easy for people to see. And it sounds really simple. And a lot of us will have some variation of this. Most of the time though, what we have is questions like, how do I cancel my membership? And like the basic ones that we know people will ask. And that's great. But what about all the other questions that people ask that actually aren't related to the membership itself, but it's related to their journey? Because 
you'll know as well as most people listening to this, people often have the same questions. Like there are a few questions which pop up on repeat. So instead of consistently, you know, having people have to ask you that question and waiting for a response, just collate those frequently asked questions about people's journeys, about challenges they're having, collate them in a way that's really easy for people to navigate to um, and browse different topics and make sure it's being shared regularly in your program communities, because that in itself will answer a lot of people's questions. And it will also ensure that the quality of the questions that are being asked in your community are even stronger and higher because you're not getting the yes. same ones over and over again. Geez, that gives me a good idea. I know what I'm going to do now because so <laughs> I do like bi-monthly coaching and I've been doing mm-hmm. it since 2020. So we've got hundreds of hours of me coaching, hundreds of hours because the usually coaching mm-hmm. call goes for like four hours and there's so many questions that come up over and over and over. And so those questions, what I could do is go into those Zoom call recordings and actually cut out each time I've answered mm. it and make a compilation of like that one question. Here's like 25 minutes of Jai talking about it to different people. And that'd be such yeah, good love content. that. Yeah. Oh my and god, that would be amazing. I know. It's so just like coaching so on demand. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly yeah. what I was looking for. So yeah, that's really cool. Well, amazing. thank you so much. You've given myself and everybody so much to think about, which is really good. Where can we come and find you and say hello? Yeah. So my name's Jade Beeson. That is my handles for all of social media. My biggest channel is YouTube. So if you don't know how to spell my last name, B-E-A-S-O-N. So it's Jade Beeson. Biggest channel is YouTube. I'm also on TikTok and Instagram too. Epic. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you soon. Hey, Riser. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm excited to see the big results that you get and celebrate those wins. If you do want to join my community, I have a Facebook group called Educators Rising. And I believe it's the place that you need to be if you want to share your wins, you want to share your strategies and everything else. I do show up live and I do get in there and interact with everybody. So it's a lot of fun. Also, if you're a creative entrepreneur, I do have a podcast show called Make Your Break. It's incredible. We have so many good speakers. There's lots of motivation, inspiration, tips and tricks, strategies, and everything else. So be sure to check those out on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'll see you soon.